from the states, from continental Af- Africans. We have, you know, his, Hispanic people from all over the world, uh, a- Asian people, Indian people, a few white people. Um, you know, but uh, when God called us to start Family Life 19 years ago, we started in my home with about eight white people who were adults. And God gave us, God gave us a vision of having a multicultural church. And how many you know, so when God gives you a vision of something to do, you cannot make it happen. You have to rely on Him. And slowly but surely, uh, God has just been adding numbers to our dailies, and it's the strength of our church. I, I, I just want to share this. I think culture is really messed up today, uh, and I, I believe this. I believe it's a mistake for us to associate with people who only think like, like we think. It's a tremendous mistake. And uh, I have friends all over this community, all over the nation, all over the world, who are different from me. They're different from me. And I want to hang around people who are different from me so that I have a broader perspective on life. If, if, if you only hang around with people who look like you, who think like you, who talk like you, you're going to have a very thin perspective on life. This is one of the problems in our country is that people are divided because they think one way, they think that their way, their way of thinking is better than someone else, that they're smarter than somebody else. And we're all God's children. God created all of us. And we all have, have, have beauty and we all have rough edges. And when you hang around with somebody that's different from you, they can help stand those edges. So if you don't hang around with anyone who, who's different from you, I volunteer to rub the edges off you this week. I'll hang around and you rub the... But every time with Joseph, I learned something different. So uh, he was coming into town. And I wanted him to be comfortable. And so I took him to HEB and, uh, you know, to get some things, you know. And, and uh, so he says, I, I need curd. I need curd. Oh, curds? No, I need curd. I say, cottage cheese? He said, I need curd. As I'm walking all over HEB looking for curd, he said, hey, we got to go to the milk, milk department. And so I see him over there talk, looking at yogurt. I'm like, no, we're looking for curd. Where's the curd? He's like, this is curd. So yogurt is curd. Then we're looking, he says, I also, I need salty biscuit. Salty biscuit. I said, I know where the biscuits are. I don't know if they're salty or not. So I took him over there to the aisle, you know, and I said, you cook them? No, you don't cook them. And anyway, we, we could never find salty biscuits. So, you know, H-E-B, they have the hot soup counter, you know, with three different soups. Like, Joe, you want some hot soup? I want hot soup. And so this guy, you know, there's a little bitty crackers in the middle. And he grabbed 13 packets. He says, can I take these? I'm like, well, you can. We can buy you a box. He says, salty biscuit. Salty biscuit. So, uh, isn't that awesome? But also also this, I I want to encourage you, and we're going to let him share his heart in just a minute. As we walk through life, I believe God gives all of us some divine appointments that have the ability to change our lives. I think a lot of times we don't go up and meet the divine appointments. I think sometimes we're too distracted or too busy that we never encounter some of the life-changing events that God has for us because we're just too preoccupied. And what what I want, what I try to get our church to do is we have to be more spiritually minded. Life is not about money and work. 
life is, doesn't revolve just around your kids. It does revolve around these things, but it's more than that. God has put us here for a purpose, and I believe that God has preordained, predestined opportunities for us to meet certain people at certain times, and in, in, in that by meeting them, in, in, it ushers us into a whole new thing. So Pastor Joseph and his wife, Suja, I met them eight and a half years ago. And uh, his wife, Suja, came to church, and I met her, but I, I really, she doesn't speak English, so it was, I didn't really communicate with her. And about a month later, I get, a, I get a, a letter in the mail. It's a big letter, huh? With an invitation to come be their guest speaker in, uh, in northern India at their Bible college graduation ceremonies. And so I went to the math, and I looked at where it was. And I laughed. I'm like, I... I I'm not going to go there. I'm, I don't want to go there. And to be fair, it takes me 40 hours to get there. You know, plane ride, plane ride, five hour, three and a half hour car driving, which Joe's almost, has, he's almost killed me like seven times, right? Yeah. And, um, but the thing that happened was I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep for three days. I couldn't sleep. And God said, God told me, you didn't even ask me if I wanted you to go. You just said you didn't want to go. And I said, well, I don't want to ask you because I know that you probably want me to go. <laughs> but I like to sleep, okay? I like to sleep. And um, so went over there to northern India and, and uh, just an incredible, incredible thing um, when I, when I visited for the first time, talking to him, seeing all the children, they have an orphanage with 300 children, boys and girls, who have all been saved out of sex trafficking. Um, they have a Bible college. They have right now 160 churches all over northern India and Nepal. And uh, just, it's, it's really incredible. But when I, the first time I met him, he said, I have a dream of being self-sufficient to where we don't have to have anyone support our ministry. All their people are very, very poor. Very poor. And um, the ones that come to church, if they tithe, they bring a little bit of rice or whatever. They just don't have any money. And God spoke to my heart and said, you know, in 10 years, your church can help them become self-sufficient. We'll talk a little bit more about that. So we're eight and a half years in, and we believe that by this time and a year from now, uh, all of that will be will be, um, you know, um, pretty much done. We've so far, and it's really just, mostly just our church. A couple of churches have contributed a little bit, but it's mostly our church. We've bought them eight acres of land in which they grow twenty to 30,000 pounds of rice a year to feed all their people. We've bought them another piece of land where they have uh, the buildings for their, their um, boys and girls, for Bible college, for churches. And it's really just incredible. Pastor Jose is very, very humble man. He prays uh, incessantly. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to declare to you today that uh, when everything's said and done and we're, we're, we're in heaven, Pastor Jose is going to go down as one of the greatest spiritual leaders of our time, of our generation. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And um, what he has done. And, you know, you're going to hear him in just a minute. I'm going to ask him to talk about some of the sacrifices he's made. I, I just want you to consider. I just want you to consider 
we, we call ourselves Christians and we say all this, but many, many in, in churches in America, we're not living for Christ and we have sacrificed little to nothing for Christ. And I, I hope, I hope that as you hear what he sacrificed, that you would be happy to sacrifice a little bit. I mean, because it's really incredible. But let's put up the maps real quick. India is the, most, India is the second most populated uh, country in the world, one, a little over 1.34 billion people. Um, you can see right here, uh, so he's up, see, if you see Lucknow up at the top of Nepal, it's a little bit north of that is where he lives. That's also called Uttar Pradesh, the, the state of Uttar Pradesh. There's 29 states in India. Um, and of course, Pastor Jose has churches. Uh, he has about 30 or 40 in India, northern India. He has about 110 churches in Nepal. And then over there to the left at Pakistan, he has one on the Pakistan border. And so these are all the churches he's done. Now here's the thing. Uh, in, 2000, in 2024, India will become the most populated nation in the world. If you want to see, they used to say 2050, but it's not happening. If you go, Pastor Joseph and I went to a live census map, and it shows live births in India, like the population going up, and that meter is running. That meter is running in, in India. It sure is. Um, just to give you a background, 80%, 80% of all the people in India are Hindu, and in fact, 94% of all the Hindus in the world live in India. Muslim is about 14%, Christian or 3% uh, of the total. But of the 29 states, there's about four or five states that contain the majority of Christians. And so where Joseph is in Uttar Pradesh, it's 0.3% Christian. So all of the people that Pastor Joseph is reaching in his churches, and he has about 40,000 people right now, they have all, uh, they didn't change Christian churches. Uh, they have all come from probably 99% Hindu and, and, and a few from Muslim and Sikh and different things. Uh, let, let me show you some quick pictures and we'll let Joe's talk. If y'all could, oh, there's one more map. I'm sorry, go back. So Kerala down there in the bottom left, um, that's one of the Christian states and that's where Pastor Joe's was from. And I'll let you tell, he'll tell you this in just a minute. He, he left from Kerala and moved up to northern India, sold his properties and things. So they're going to run you through some pictures real quick. Pastor Joe. These are some of the boys and girls, some of the 300 uh, that they have uh, rescued, saved. I believe that's their dormitory. That's, that's uh, their, part of their dormitory that we bought the land and helped them to pay for that. So because the orphans don't know what day their birthday is, um, in, in November they have a birthday party for all of them. And I don't know why, but he's throwing shaving cream on everybody. I don't know what the deal is with that. And this is their church, the, their main church, and, um, and just one of the meetings they had, a birthday party there. Okay, we're going to talk about Buffalo Farm in just a minute. This, this is their, their Mura, M-U-R-A-H, water buffalo. And this is what, this is the farm that we've helped them to start. And so... Uh, this is a male, and, you know, they're about 1,100 pounds. So, uh, yeah, and of course, so. That was Pastor Joe's 20 years ago, huh? Was that you 20 years ago? 
No, no, okay. So, the greatest thing about hanging around with people who may not have the greatest command of the English language is you can joke all the time, and sometimes they get it, and sometimes they don't. You can just be happy about it. So, this is, when we're talking about this, this is the buffalo farm uh, that we helped purchase for them, and we're still paying for it. It's five acres of land, and um, it's got, you can go on through it, it's got, it's got big, huge concrete buildings on it. Uh, all kind of things where the buffalo come in. It has a pasture uh, where they grow food. They also have a big watering hole because the water buffalo, they have to go float in water for about 30, 45 minutes a day. So these are some of the, some of the pictures. And so uh, we, were, we were considering what to do. The buffalo farm is their vision of how to become self-sufficient. They sell the milk. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but we were really, uh, they were, they were, they, uh, well, well, let me get ahead of myself. Let's back up a little bit. Pastor Jose, would you, would you tell our, the people the story of God calling you from Kerala to northern India, how that happened, and what you did to move you and your family to a whole, the whole different part of the state? I was born and brought up in a normal Christian family. Orthodox, uh, but I came to the real knowledge of God in 1984, uh, 26th. I accepted Lord Jesus as my personal savior. And 1984, December 30th, I took the water baptism. And 85 January 2nd, I fulfilled with the Holy Spirit baptism. At the day, Lord uh, showed me the vision in my future, what I do. I pray for that. I surrender my life. And after a few days in my church, one prophet, they all, one prophet came and he gave a prophecy to me. He gave the prophecy like that. I'll call you to serve me. Not Kerala. Those places I want to send you, the place name called a river's name, a river name. After I heard this prophecy and all, I asked with the pastor, those give me the prophecy, which place called the name, a river's name? He told, dear son, last 32 years I am prophesying, uh, ministry doing, but I never propose uh, like that today uh, to you, the God's word. And then he told me, You ask any somebody which is the place. I asked many people, and I asked my pastor, he's also told me, Just do one thing you go and ask somebody to those who are studying Indian history or world history, some. Thing, they know which is the place. I asked 
some bold street studying people they also told me we don't know which is the place but another uh, two years in 1986 one of the missionary came in my church he talk about uh, in northern part of india and our neighbor country the nepal and slowly slowly he comes to the point he told the nepal is one of the hindu country in the world nepal is divided 14 zone that 14 zone name is put the river those who are running to nepal praise the lord i understand my god is so great god he know the river name also in the world praise the lord more about us god knows everything praise the lord i find out the place where there is we want to work and i talk with my wife she told that time we are working in delhi she have a small job in delhi i told her suja i want to resign my job i want to go to nepal when i share my church pastor and my uh, brothers and sisters those who are attending the church they told me brother you don't know much about bible and you don't know how to preach and you don't know how to teach and you don't know how to uh, speak the testimony and you don't know deeper knowledge about nepal and you don't know the language uh, you don't know nothing that is the final word for the believers and my pastor told is coming to the salvation very uh, near time that's why we have little bit uh, more exaggerating that's all. after a few months it will go down he is slowly here came he is doing the work but i answering humbly my pastor and believers i don't know this all I don't know much about Bible. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to teach. I don't know deep uh, things in the Bible. But I know one thing. Those who call me, he know everything what I am. Praise God. he know everything what i am he know everything what i am that's why i don't want to stay more kerala and delhi i want to go in this nepal and up then i share about suja i said to her suja do one thing you stay delhi i go and work here she told me if god call you we are not to 
we are one. We are one. We are one. She is also resigned, myself also resigned. I have that in a small girl. The three of them goes to Nepal, the place called Dedildura. It's located in Sudar Pachimanji. I go and stay there. After a few months, those money are, everything will finish. I don't know uh, Nepali language. I don't know how to preach, how to teach. I don't know very deep knowledge in Bible. But I believe that. We believe one thing. If God is called his own child, he will fulfill what we can do for Nepal and Northern India. Yeah. 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 Maybe 88 to 89, 90s, near about two years, we are simply sitting at home and praying. In Nepal, there is public holidays on Saturday. Every Saturday, we have a big worship service, but no members. All angels are coming. No members in front of us. I am the pastor. I am the singer, I am the worship leader, I am the preacher, I am the teacher, everything I am. My wife is a believer, uh, and my daughter is a believer. We passed like that two years. After God spoke me, God guided me. You go to the village house. Similarly, you go there, you sit with him. I will do something, whatever to you. I obey the God's will. I obey the God's will. I go to the village, elder folk. He accepts me, his house. I sit, sit with him many days, many months. And slowly, slowly, God stay with us, the Holy Spirit guiding us. I look around the village, very difficult situation of all the kids, women and men and those who are living in that village. I asked the village elder, I said, can I bring some clothes for your village people? Can I bring some food? Can I bring some uh, decals or vitamin C tablets? I ask it. He said, okay, if you have, you bring. I travel to Delhi. I collect a lot of clothes, used clothes. And some believers give me offering. I purchase the chocolate for the kids. And I purchase some bread 
and purchase some vitamin C tablets. And I come, goes to the village in house. I sir, sub-engineer. And I told you, I told him, hey, sir, I told your village people, what those who need it, he distributed. Like that I am doing near about uh, one year, one and a half years. After one and a half years, the village people, most probably the village elders, ask me, hello man, you were born and brought up in India. Not in northern India, in southern India. I heard about southern India, it is a good place. Many Christians are there. Everything is there. Why you left your uh, uh, native place, your hometown? Why you came this village? Why you distributing this clothes? Why you distributing this whole thing? And slowly, I said to him, I am a God-fearing man. I'm a God-fearing man. They ask again, who is your God? I say to him, those create the sky, those who create the earth, those who create you and me, those who create India, those who create Nepal, those who create all over the world, that God is my God. Praise God. Like that, I start my gospel work last 30 years before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then they ask, What is your God name? I told him, My God name is Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Then slowly, slowly, Holy Spirit teach me. I don't know deeper Bible study. I don't have deeper degree. I don't have deeper nothing. But more than that, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit guiding us how to want to speak. How I speak, they understand like that. Holy Spirit speaking me. Tell you one thing, the glory to God. In 1991, October 5th, I gave 30 people to the water baptism in the village. Praise the Lord. That is the first church through our ministry starting in Nepal. But the God said, God is stay with us. God will establish year by year, day by day, till I tell you one thing, we have 104 churches in Nepal. Praise God. Praise God. I tell you one thing. Hey, Pastor, can I interrupt you just a minute? Yes. Okay. okay. So I keep Sorry. the phone track. No, no, no. Not. 
Um, so I, I was going to ask him a question about this. So this is how they've started 160 churches. They go there, and the first thing they go to the village elder and, and talk with them because nothing happens without the village elder. Then they, he'll start, he used to do it all himself. Now his pastors do this because, uh, you know, he is, he's so busy doing other things. They, they'll start over the next few months taking them clothes, food, chocolates, whatever. And eventually, after some point, maybe one month, two months, six months, eventually they ask him, why do you do this? They start talking to him about God, Jesus Christ. They'll lead him several of them to Jesus Christ, and then he takes one of the pastors that he's trained and takes them over there, and the, search, and the, and the church has started. And the church has started. Um, tell, uh, so Pastor Joseph, when he started the first many years, he, he really, really struggled, uh, you know, financially. And, and they still have struggles. There's still persecution so much. Uh, uh, when I went to visit him, uh, two other guys, Peter Hudson and Ed Burns, are both here today. So three white guys went to India. I did, when I was talking to him, I didn't know who was going to go with me. We showed up at the airport. Pastor Joe started crying, saying that God had showed him many years before that he was going to send three white people to help him. Amen. You have a vision? When I reached Nepal, God showed me the vision. In myself, I am going catching the fish. Catching the fish. Long time I am alone there. It is a vision. Long time I am alone catching the fish. But after some time, I'll see. Some white people come and standing. One is in my right, one is in my left. One is standing me today. Uh, I see this vision. Morning I get up. I talk to Suja. Suja yesterday night. I'll see the nice vision. She is asking, what is that? I told her. Suja, yesterday night, I go through the vision in the riverside, I'm catching the fish. But after some time, I'll see three white people with me, they also helping me catching the fish. Praise God. It is in, I see the vision, 89. Okay? She told me, okay, but there is no possible it will fulfill. Because I don't know white people. <laughs> white people, they don't know me. But we know one thing. If my Lord know the Nepal zone, a river name. The same God show me this vision. Today, otherwise, after long time, but before my death, God will fulfill this vision. I told to Sujit. 
She's also believe she put together hands and pray for this issue. But happened long time. In 2010, the servant of God, the mighty man of God, Pastor Terry, and Brother Peter and Brother Hayden comes to my place. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we have saved. What a mighty God we have saved. It is our privilege. Mighty God we have served. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This see, I see this vision. God is fulfilled that vision. Last eight and a half years. The white people with me catching the fish. It is not for the eating fish. The fish is the soul. The fish is the soul. Yeah. He's not lying. I've driven all over India and I've never seen another white person. I'm telling you. But uh, one, of the, one of the things that's so refreshing about India and being with them is there's no political correctness. Like they don't, it, it's not even in their vocabulary. So after all these years, they call me the white man, the whitey, the whatever, white papa. And I said, well, you know, I just, one day I said, so are you the brown papa? He said, I said, are, are, you know, are, are you, you brownie or whatever, you know, because he was calling me whitey. And he's like, no, no I'm, no, I'm Indian, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we have a good time. Um, I, before we run out of time, let me, uh, his dream, his goal was to start a buffalo farm, and the, the water buffalo over there, it, it's very de desired commodity, and he said, we can start a buffalo farm, raise a herd of buffalo, and sell the milk, and um, so they're very expensive, uh, several thousand dollars to, to purchase each one, so, ah, gosh, probably six years ago, how long have you bought the first buffalo, six years ago? Six years ago, we bought about 25, 25 buffalo, and... Um, they started, started small, and as of right now, as of right now, they have a, hundred, a herd of 185. I mean, I mean they have 40, 47 of them are pregnant right now. Uh, 53 give milks, they have 100 full females. They, they sell the males, obviously. And, and um, so, I mean, they have a whole system. They have veterinarians coming out to the farm. I mean, it's a, they have 45 full-time workers on the farm every day milking the buffalo, taking care of the buffalo, washing the buffalo. And um, so his goal was this. The goal was, he's like, my people are all so poor. Uh, even if they give what they have, it's, it's not anything. Whenever he sends a pastor into a village far away, there's nowhere for him to work. He supports him. So Pastor Jose, uh, there are 300 orphans. Pastor Jose, uh, they, they feed them, they clothe them, they give them medicine. They pay for their education. And then when they graduate from high school, they pay for their secondary education. Right now, he has about 25 kids who are doing electrical, uh, engineering, um, computers. Uh, all of the females, all of, his, all of the female students that graduate, they all do nursing because that's the one thing that they can work anywhere, females can work anywhere in India. And so uh, it's, it, it's a heavy weight on him because he was having to go out and, and get money uh, from other people to, because he, he couldn't. Um, 
And so the buffalo farm, it's already, it's already producing some income. By 2020, we believe that their money is going to quadruple because the, the sheer numbers of, of births that they're having um, is, is pretty incredible. So the reason we bought them a buffalo farm, when they were renting the buffalo farm, they were having to rent a farm, and the farmer was charging them 4000 American dollars a month. So all of their profits were gone. Um, I think right now, as of like right now, their profit after they pay for the food and the, all the, the workers, and it's about 2000 American dollars a month, $2,000, something like that. Um, just to show you, when they get it up to about 4500 or $5,000, that pays for all of his ministry. 300 kids, churches, and, and so the goal is uh, to get up to what, would you say, about 300 buffalo maybe? Yes. About 300 buffalo. Um, so so what, what we did when I was there, uh, I don't know, I, I would have to look. I think that our church has given um, probably between 350 and $400,000 to buy all this stuff for them. And uh, when I was there last time, we were looking at, we've got to get them a buffalo farm. They can't continue to pay $4,000 a month. And so we looked at buying land and building these buildings, but it would have been more than just buying this one buffalo farm. The buffalo farm was $250,000. And um, the, guy, the guy told us, I will give you 18 months to pay that off. So we, we uh, many of you gave, many of you gave uh, significantly. I gave. Um, we, we put down $100,000 on the farm, put another 25000 By this next October, we have to finish paying another $125,000. Um, at that point, at that point, they have Buffalo Farm, they have land for their, for, their, for their ministry, they have land that they grow food on. It'll just be a matter of them, of the farm, just growing. By 2020, um, they, would, they would be totally self-sufficient and um, totally... Every, you know, everything. So let me, um, Pastor Jose, he came to me, he came to me three years ago, and he asked me if, if they could um, change their name to Family Life and come under our ministry. And um, I, I tried to dissuade him from doing that because I wanted him to have his own autonomy. I didn't want him to feel, I'm like, listen, Jose, God told us to help you. We're going to help you. Does you know? There's no strings attached because um, just just to show you, when we started helping them eight and a half years ago, they had about 40 churches. In eight and a half years, just because we've helped them have the funds to do more, they have started 120 churches. Their ministry has quadrupled in eight and a half years, just simply because we ha they have the funds to do that. So. I, you know, anyway, so the, the bottom line is when Joe goes back, I've written a letter and done what I need to do for him. We just talked about it yesterday. And so uh, they will be changing their name from Indian Christian Assembly to, to Family Life, and they'll be, they'll be under our ministry. So our church just grew by 30,000 people. <laughs> and um, so we're very excited about that. And you know, um, I, know that, I know that God called us to be a multicultural church, and I'm just totally redoing this thing here. Next year, we'll be starting a Spanish ministry here, and I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day we'll start uh, 
an Indian service. I don't know. I don't know what the what the future holds. You know, uh, but um, but we want to. We we just want to do. You know, want to do that. And and so I told Joe. So I'm like, Are you sure that you want me to be your boss? <laughs> he laughed at me. That's what he, he laughed at me. So anyway. So uh, so anyway, what we're people ask all the time. What can you do? Uh, you know, even with the funds we provide, it's made a lot easier for them. They are under severe persecution every day, every day in, in Nepal, in India. And the first thing that I think we could do every day is to pray for them, to pray for God's protection, to bind the forces, uh, you know, of uh, the, the demonic forces that are, that are trying to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ from going forth. Just to let you know, uh, although 1.4% of people are Christian in Nepal, Nepal is the fastest growing Christian uh, evangelism in the world. It's just, and, and the reason why is because there's so much poverty. There's so much poverty in Nepal that, you know, I want to say this, you know, our greatest problem, my greatest problem, your greatest problem, America's greatest problem is affluence, is money. If, what I want to say is this, if, if you woke up tomorrow and you have nothing, you don't have a house to live, you don't have medicine, your kids are sick, you need a God that can save you. You need a God that can heal you. And, and, and so I, I think that many times we're, 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 we're so reliant on anything else, on doctors, on jobs, on all stuff. In, in Nepal and India and the places where Pastor Joseph is, there is no help. There is, the government's not going to help you. There's no medical clinics. If you get sick, you're going to die. And having said that, two of Pastor Joseph's children died while he was on the mission field in northern India before there were medical clinics. I just want to understand that people, for, God, for the kingdom of God to grow, for Christianity to grow around the world, people are sacrificing tremendously, tremendously, for the gospel to expand. And what I, want to, I don't want anyone to feel bad about that. I would ask you, hey, sacrifice a little bit to help us grow. Help us grow. The, the stronger our church gets by people serving and giving, and attending faithfully, the more we can do to help people in our community and people around the world. The need is, the need is incredible, but the church has to, has to step up. Um, so what, what we're going to do is, um, guys, we're going to take up a missions offering here in just a minute. And so what I want you to know is this, is that we didn't take up a missions offering last week. So this is our monthly missions. If you gave online to missions, it will go to Joe, so don't worry about that this month. Um, what, what I want you to do, I want you to pray about this. I mean, obviously I'm asking to give above the tithes because the church, you know, we needed the tithes to pay our bills and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I have people come up to me sometimes and say, hey, pastor, the Lord gave us some money that we weren't expecting and, and we, 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 wanted, we feel like we're going to give it to something and we're just thinking about what to give it to. And I want to say there's a lot of great places to give. But anything given this offering goes to Pastor Joseph, and I just don't know of any other ministry uh, that I'm aware of that has, that has reached the number of people and discipled the number of people that Pastor Joseph does. Also, um, just just let you know, if, if you say, I can't give anything today, we, we, we need the final amount by October, so that gives you almost a year. And maybe God... Maybe God will bless you between now and then. Maybe you can plan things out. Um, but for sure, 
um, for sure, I know that this is going to happen. I know this is going to happen because I'm praying for it, and I know that they're praying for it. And, uh, but I, I just I want you to understand something. Sometimes people think that the amount that a church does is only relative to how many people they have. We have about 450 people in our church. And, uh, but our, our, this little church, compared to Houston standards, has given more than $1.3 million to missions. You know? And, and, um, and so, you know, if you've ever gone to Honduras, if you've ever gone to Mexico, if you've ever gone to the Ukraine, if you've ever gone to the Philippines, if you've ever gone to India or Nepal, family life, we have paid for, bought land and built buildings so people can get saved and minister that. So it's not how big you are, it's what you do. And I, I want you to know, this church does a lot in our community and around the world. And, and I think that should make us happy. I think we should be proud of that. That when we get to heaven, there's going to be Nepalese and Indians and Hondurans and, and Mexicans and Guatemalans that they came to know Jesus because our church gave. Uh, guys, would y'all get ready for the baskets, baskets for the offering? And after the offering, we're going to close the service with a prayer. I apologize we went over a few minutes, but it, that's, 